Ephesians 6 tells us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Paul declares here, he says, Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly. Heavenly Father, help us understand why we are here today. It's because of the gospel. It's because of the good news. It's because of the message of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be fearless in these changing times. The people that we grew up with, the people whom that we used to go on missions with, that we used to attend church with. We hear it from the leaders to the congregation. Many are falling away from the faith. I pray, Lord God, that we will hold on to you in these challenging times. In these dark times, Lord, help us to declare the gospel fearlessly, as Paul declared. And may we continue to pray for one another and to be united, to be united under the banner of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to pray always and to be alert and to be ready for the enemy's attacks. So God, I pray, Lord, for today's service. We surrender everything we have and all that we have, and we lay them at your feet, Lord Jesus. Just like the song that we just sang in David's song, and as we learn in Psalm 23, the Lord, you are God, our shepherd. You are our Father. And in green pastures, Lord, you lay us down. So God, we worship you in spirit and truth. Take away every distraction. Take away every hindrances. And God, we look to you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, as you transition to the message, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, Lord, may it be pleasing in their sight, O God. For Lord, you, you alone, you alone, God, for no one can compare for you alone. You are our rock and our redeemer. We give you all the glory and all the honor. Pray all these things in your precious son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. As you know, we've been on this short series called Sit, Walk, and Stand, based on the book that I've been studying and reading on a man that I admire and look up to very much. He is no longer alive. He's a man that was murder, martyred for his faith. And if you go back to the beginning of the message, the title was called Sit, Walk, and Stand, Christian Maturity Series. We've done a topic on sit, so sit down, Lewis. And then... We've done a topic with the sermon on walk, and now we will finally finish today with the most important, one of the most important, what they are all equally important, stand. So can we turn to our neighbor and say stand?
quoting Watchman Nee, he says again, We sit forever with Christ that we may walk continuously before men, which we talked about last week, forsake for a moment our place of rest in Him, and immediately we are tripped, and our testimony in the world is marred. But abiding Christ and our position there ensures the power to walk worthy of Him there. So the best analogy for us to understand how do we find rest in Christ? How do we sit like Mary as Martha complained about Mary as Mary sat at the feet of Jesus? How do we sit at the feet of Jesus and at the same time be productive in our Christian faith? How? The best analogy that I can give is imagine yourself you having to travel from point A to point B. KP, you have to go from point A to point B, Maryland to New Jersey. What would you do? Back then, when there were no vehicles, you would have to walk. You would have to get a horse. You would have to find the means to get yourself from point A to point B. And it requires calories, burning calories. It requires you resting, hunting, eating, making sure that you're taking care of yourself. But now, the best analogy for us to get to point A to B would be what? For us to sit and rest in Christ, the best analogy, it's not a perfect analogy, is us sitting in a car. Yes, we're sitting still. We're sitting in a bus. We're sitting in a train. We're sitting still. But it is the vehicle that brings us from point A to point B. So when we become Christians, it's not really about us having to do everything with our own strength, with what we can, what I can do in my own merit but it's about resting in Christ, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And once you do that as your foundation in the beginning, then we are able, with the power and the strengthening of the Holy Spirit, you're able to walk in Him victoriously. And then you're able to stand your ground. Stand against who? Against the enemy's attacks. So that is why we sit forever with Christ, that we may walk continuously before men. Forsake that for a moment, our place of rest in him, the most important thing, sitting, and immediately we are tripped, and our testimony in the world is marred. It is discredited. But abide in Christ, and our position there ensures the power to walk worthy of him here. May we get on the train, the train of our Lord Jesus Christ, for him to take us from point A to our destination until we get to the final finish line. May you abide in Christ. May you sit and walk and stand in Christ. Continuing on in quote, this, of course, is a far from perfect picture of the Christian life. But it may serve to remind us that our conduct and behavior depend fundamentally upon our inward rest in Christ. And last week I asked you, when you had the time, to please read Ephesians 6, specifically verse 10 through 20. Why? And here's the reason why. For we are in the midst 
of warfare. When I'm talking about warfare, we're warriors. We are soldiers for Christ. In one sense, the gospel teaches us there's two flip sides of the coin. It teaches us to be humble and to be gentle in heart. But on the flip side of that, the scripture reminds us and teaches us to be warriors for Christ, to fight the battle, to fight the good fight. And unless we fix, we get our minds set in warfare, in spiritual warfare, we will continue to be defeated every single day. In quoting, he continues, For no Christian can hope to enter the warfare of the ages without learning first to rest in Christ. Again, I'm emphasizing, I'm putting all the message together about sitting in Christ, resting in Christ. And then what he has done, meaning Christ, what he has done, and then through the strength of the Holy Spirit within, to follow him in a practical, holy life here on earth. If he is deficient in either of these, he will find that all the talk about spiritual warfare remains only talk. He will never know its reality. Satan can't afford to ignore him. For he does not count for anything. So men and women of God, I want to remind you here today, stand, for you are under attack. For Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, let's all read together. Ready? One, two, three. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. You are in a spiritual battle. Sit, walk, and stand. We will finish it with Stan. Amen and amen. So let's go to our main passage, Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. Just to refresh our memory, it says, Finally, be, in other words, other translation says, Walk strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So to stand firm, how? How do we stand? How do we finish this? How do I stand well in Christ? How do I stand firm in Christ? How? Starting with point number one is being filled. Being filled. It's not just about the state of be in that moment, to be 
but it's about being continuously to be filled. It's constantly, you're being filled. You are kept being filled, ongoing. It's an ongoing process. It's not just a state to be, but a state, a path, a walk that you stand and you continue on. You are being filled in Christ, a continual filling in Jesus Christ. Meaning, when I was filled last week in the message, it's not, okay, that was it. And it kept me strong and no more. You need to continually be filled every single day, every single week, every Sunday. We need to constantly be filled with his spirit, with his holy presence. To go in distance with anything, you must be filled with carbs, food, gas, sleep, etc., etc., repeat and repeat. Therefore, as a Christian in the spiritual battle, we are called to be filled with the Holy Spirit constantly, every single day. It says, Ephesians 3.19, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Not some, but all the fullness of God. To be filled. Ephesians 5.14-20. This is why it is said, wake up, sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And the key here is verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. But here's the key. Instead, what? Be filled with the Spirit. When you're filled with the Spirit, it leads us to do these things that's mentioned here in verse 19. Speaking to one another, not with anger and frustration, but with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do not fill yourselves with wine, worldly things. But the scripture makes it very clear. Paul makes it very clear here in Ephesians 5. To be filled with the Spirit. And the key focus here is to be filled in verse 18. Leading to this next passage. Matthew 25. It's a story of and the parable of the ten virgins, this is a parable that many don't speak about. But in this parable, there are ten virgins, and it's split and divided into two groups. So five and five. All right, so five over here, five over here. And it says in verse one, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, it says in Matthew 25 who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. It's talking about Christ, Jesus Christ. Verse 2, five of them were foolish and five were wise. 
Verse 3, the foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, where the hand strikes and where the bell rings, just like Cinderella, at midnight, meaning the time ran out, Christ came, the bridegroom came, the cry rang out, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him, come out to meet him. Verse 7, then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps, the foolish one said to the wise, give us some of our oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves, meaning you are responsible for your own faith, no one else. Your mom or your dad, your pastor or your teacher or your leader or your mentor cannot be in charge of your own faith. Only you are in charge. You are responsible for the lamp and the oil that you bring before the bridegroom, before Christ. It doesn't matter what kind of lineage you come from. It doesn't matter what kind of faith you receive from your parents. It's about you owning up, you being responsible for the faith that you have, for the life that you own, that you are responsible for. Remember, they became drowsy. They fell asleep. They were not ready. They were not prepared. They only had the lamps, but they did not have the most important thing, the oil. What's the point of having a vehicle? when there is no oil. You see it in apocalypse movies, right? They have cool cars, unless you're driving a Tesla, but there's no electric. What do you do? You need oil, you need to be filled. As a Christian, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need the oil. What's the point of having the substance, the hardware, when there is no software? It's just a machine. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Verse 10, but while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived, meaning it was too late. The virgins were already went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Doosh! Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. Lord, they're begging. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Being filled. Are you being filled? How do we be filled? Letter A, be watchful. Be watchful. Be watchful. We need to know the times. We need to know the seasons. We need to know who our enemy is. The enemy that brings about sleep, that brings about distraction, that allows us, that distracts us. Ultimately, it's our fault. It's our decision. But we have a powerful enemy out there who is watching us, 
and who wants to destroy us. And just like the parable, we're not just called to be Joe Schmo, regular Joe, disciple of Jesus Christ, but we are called to be watchful disciples. Watchful. You need to be watchful. You're not just called to just be a disciple, but you're called to be a watchful disciple. If you're a watchful disciple, you understand you're ready. You have the oil ready. The oil is filling you. You have it ready. You're ready any moment for the bridegroom is right there. And when that hand strikes at midnight, you'll be ready. You'll be ready. So be watchful. May we understand the season that we are in, that we are living in. Verse 5 says, the bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Ephesians 5, 15 to 18 says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The bridegroom was coming, and they all became two things, drowsy and fell asleep. They left the oil behind. When the time came, they're begging those who had, please let me get some of your faith. Please let me get some of your prayers. But by then it's too late. Too little, too late. The train has left. The train is gone. Just like the analogy I gave when we were in Oregon and Ronnie held the train like this. The train is leaving. It will not wait for us. The door was shut, it says in verse 10. And then Christ will tell us, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. So again, letter A, be watchful. Letter B, can we turn to our neighbor and say, grandmother, can you say that? He says, grandmother. <laughs> okay, let's all read together, ready? Letter B, ready? One, two, three, B in. Harmony, harmony. That's <laughs> good. Grandmother, harmony is grandmother in Korean. So be in harmony. So again, the main point here is being filled. Letter A, be watchful. And B, be in harmony. So being filled with Christ, it brings about good fruit. It allows us to live in harmony with each other, with fellow believers. It says in Ephesians 5, 19 to 20, it says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see a community here that is speaking truth to one another. They're singing psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, meaning from the overflow, from the filling of the oil that comes from Christ 
from being in the presence of God. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Your praise must be joyful to the Lord, for it comes from the Lord. It comes from the indwelling filling of the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it brings about gratefulness, gratitude, and thankfulness, thanksgiving before the Father, and giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the word harmony here, this is not a solo when you're in the shower by yourself or in the bathroom by yourself or when you're driving by yourself and you're singing by yourself. I'm talking about singing, united, harmonizing. People who can harmonize is one of the most beautiful things that you can see. It's not this person is singing another song and this person is singing a different song. But we come together, as you know, with missions. When we sing a song, when we do a mind, we come together. We have to be harmonized. We have to be united. We have to be on the same page, on the cues. We're united. We work together. It requires great work, patience, and sacrifice, practice, and consistency. So to be harmonized, to be united, to live in harmony, it requires great work. It takes time. But first and foremost, it must come from being filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 3-6 says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Verse 4, There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to one hope when you are called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Skipping a few verses, verse 13 to 16 says, Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every kind of teaching, by the cunning, the craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth and love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We all work as an independent unit. We have our own roles, but at the same time, the big picture is that we come together. We gather together, and we live in harmony in Christ. Just like the 10 bridegrooms, some of you, you have to really reflect upon your heart and your life. Where do I stand? Some of you, this is not an easy message. It will go over your head, and then you will live the next day without having any single thought, just living lost like the other five virgins without the oil. But for those who are ready, and you know that the day is coming, there will be a conviction in your heart to change today, right now, not tomorrow, for tomorrow is not guaranteed. 
when there's harmony, it brings about praise, as Paul tells us. And the Bible is all about unity, coming together and worshiping God together. It's not just an independent, individual thing that I do for myself. You do your thing, and I do my thing. Ultimately, if that person decides they no longer want to walk in the faith, they decide to walk away from the faith, there's nothing that we can do. But you're responsible to be part of the body. And when you're part of the body, just like Revelation, just like what we've been studying, specifically chapter 4 and chapter 5, we see the elders and with the angels, it says they sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. When we worship him, it's not about me with tears, it's about me, 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 but it's about God, it's about Christ, it's about him. We worship him, we come to church to worship him in harmony. Holy, 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 all together it says they sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. And for your reference, Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 through 14, I have it up on the screen, I'm going to read, it says verse 9, and they sang a new song. As Christians, we must always sing a new song before the Lord, each and every single day. Sometimes we read the same scripture, same Bible, same songs that we sing. Yes, it is the same old song, but at the same time, it is a new song, for it is with a new heart, with a new attitude, new mind that we sing before the Lord every single day. It's like that movie. 51st, 50 dates where the person forgets the memory and the person, he tries his best to remind his lover as it's the first day of reminder of his love for her. When we come before God, may we sing a new song. Amen? Sing a new song saying you are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals because you are slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands then 10,000, this is myriad, times 10,000. The highest number in Greek is 10,000. So it's an infinite number. 10,000 of 10,000. They encircle the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is a lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them, saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Verse 14, ending with this, the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. The elders represents the leaders, the church, the people. They fell down and worshipped him together in harmony. So again, real quick, 
the main point here is being filled, be watchful, be in harmony, and lastly, let us see, be consumed, be consumed. In this word, consume, there are two parts to this word, just like a coin. I always say the gospel is two parts of the coin. For one, we're called to be meek and humble, and yet we're called to be strong and steadfast. Here, there's two parts in this word, the definition of the word consume. And just like the story and the parable of the ten virgins that's divided into two sections, where you stand today, where you stand right now, where you stand right now as you're hearing this message, will bring about completely different endings and consequences. Like a video game, where you choose this and then this happens. Where you stand will bring about the final end to your life, to your destiny. The first part is, you'll be consumed, meaning you'll be filled in him. You'll be consumed by his love, by his grace, by his mercy, by his gift, by his oil, by the filling and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And second, you'll be consumed by fire, by judgment. You'll be removed by him. And as it says in Matthew 25, where Jesus, the bridegroom, tells the five, virgin, the five virgins who are not ready, I don't know you. I don't know you. The door is shut. You cannot come in. By then it's too late. So I pray that you'll be consumed. Regardless, we'll be consumed. But what we'll be consumed with, we'll be consumed with what? I pray that you'll be consumed by his love, by his grace, by his mercy, by the filling of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you will not be consumed by the judgment of God, by the wrath of God. For we were not ready. The ones who are ready, they were invited. The ones who are not ready, they're rejected, ejected. No second chance. Point number two, standing firm. Stand in firm. Again, ING there because like a double-edged sword, we stand, yes, we stand in him, but we continue to stand in him every single day. You must, letter A, stand in Christ, and B, stand against the foe. Now what? The foe? The foe? What? Who? The foe. The enemy. I'm talking about the enemy. The devil. Due to many scriptures in this particular message, I'm just going to just skip here and there because I read this already, Ephesians 6, and I'm going to read this again at the end, and I don't want to say too much where it just goes over your head because sometimes when we get too much, it just goes over our heads one ear to the other. 
But again, remember Ephesians 6. Always remember Ephesians 6. Memorize it. The breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth around your waist, the helmet of salvation, the faith, the shield that will extinguish all the arrows of the living, of the evil one, the sword of the spirit, the word of God, the feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel. Memorize this. Be alert, for this is a spiritual warfare, for this is a spiritual fight. Putting on the full armor of God. That's what it's talking about. Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. It's talking about the full armor of God. Putting it on. For you are warriors. Church, we are under attack. We are under attack. And we are under attack. And what are we doing about it? What are we doing about this? Like the movie Hexall Rich, about a man who, Arlene's favorite movie, <laughs> Andrew Garfield, where he joins a, a true story, amazing movie, watch it, where he enlists in the army, World War II, where he sees his fellow friends joining in the army, sacrificing their life. His testimony is powerful. How can I just be here at home? safe. He's about to get married. If he really looked out for himself, how can he? He puts himself, his life in the danger. And the whole movie, the premise of the movie is that he refuses to touch a gun. And he wants to go as a medic to save, to save lives. Meaning he understood the times. He understood the season that he was living. So many young people are lost dead, no purpose. We don't know why we go to church. We go because my mom brought me to church and it's just something that I was taught to do. You don't stand for righteousness. You don't stand for anything. You do because you're told. We have no faith and fear of the Lord in our heart. Church, we are under attack. Are you ready? Are you ready? December 7th, 1941, just before 8 a.m. That Sunday morning, hundreds of Japanese fighter planes descended on the base where they managed to destroy or damage nearly 20 American naval vessels, including eight battleships and over 300 airplanes. More than 2,400 Americans died in the attack, including civilians and another 1,000 people were wounded. Talking about the Pearl Harbor. 9-11 in 2001, I was a sophomore in high school. I remember this. I was in Woodshop. And I know that my parents, they were on their way to Jersey City. They see the Twin Towers. They saw the, the planes like hitting, like live, like actual hitting the building. And I remember we couldn't get in contact the whole day. The chaos in that day, just another regular day. I remember that day too, it was yearbook day too. Picture, yearbook picture. And the president, he says, in quote, good evening, today our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. 
The victims were in airplanes or in their offices, secretaries, businessmen and women, military and federal workers, moms and dads, friends and neighbors. Thousands of lives were suddenly ended by evil, despicable acts of terror. Here's a reality check. Here is a reality check. We have a powerful enemy. And this is even scarier than a physical attack, but this is a battle for our souls. In life, in the physical, yes, you may get better or you may not, but at least you have a chance. But in the spiritual sense, there is no second chance. Once you are in that five virgins who are not ready, it's too late. By then, it's too late. The door has been shut. This is why we preach the gospel. That's, that's why we go to church. That's why we continuously stay before the banner of the truth in Christ. And we continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit for the filling of the Spirit that you received back when you went on that trip, that mission trip or that retreat. is not enough. It's not what's going to sustain you. It's continually, every single day, you need to have that oil ready. But the truth is, the oil has been bought. It has been purchased already. They went out to purchase that oil. They went out and they left to go and purchase. Where? Other religion? To other means? To give offering to church? To do good acts of deeds to the homeless? For that is not what's going to save you. The oil has already been bought has been purchased already. By who? By Jesus Christ when he died on the cross on that fateful day. When he went on that cross, he shed it all. He gave it all. Took all of our sins, past, present, and future. The oil is available. Just like Elijah and the widow and the son. As the oil and the flour, the jar, it, was, it would not run dry. It was infinite. It would continually, even in the land, during a season of famine, they continued to have oil and flour, food. When we're in Christ, you must continue to be filled in him and with him. And the reality check is we have a powerful enemy. Not just an enemy, a powerful, powerful adversary. that wants to destroy the faithful Christian man and woman of God in this generation. The devil doesn't want us to think that he is that strong because he is a counterfeiter, a liar. He pretends like he's an innocent victim, but yet he is the one that causes the chaos, brings division, brings gossip, destroys the church, a counterfeiter, a loser, enemy lurking in the dark, in your dreams, in your thoughts, in your relationships, to destroy, to destroy, and to destroy. Paul says here in Ephesians 6, and we're focused on Ephesians for those who haven't been here with us, the whole Sit, walk, and stand is based on the book of Ephesians. That's why I'm talking about Ephesians so much. 
It says in 1 Peter 5, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, your great adversary, prowls around like a roaring lion. He is like, again, Jesus Christ is the lion and the lamb. He is like a roaring, like I mentioned last week, a counterfeiter, a wannabe. Whoever is the loudest in the room is the weakest one. Looking for someone to devour. Ephesians 6.12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That is the reality of the Christian faith. It is a spiritual fight, a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6, 10 to 20, memorize it. Put on the full armor of God. But don't fret, right? Don't fret because Paul makes very clear, and as Christians we have victory. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54 to 58, it says, death has been swallowed up in victory. No one can come out victorious after death, right? Because death equalizes everything. No matter how rich, how tall, how popular, how beautiful, how ugly, it doesn't matter. How short you are, it doesn't matter. Because ashes to ashes, dust to dust, we are born. No matter how talented we are, how well we can sing, how high we can jump, it doesn't matter. But as Christians, all those things become secondary. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where all death is your victory. Where all death is your sting. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, here's the key verse, 57. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the bracelet we used to have? This was the passage. Victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. In other words, be steadfast, be immovable. Always give yourselves fully, meaning excel in the work of the Lord all the way, not halfway, not half-hearted, to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. In other words, you are God's workmanship, Ephesians 2, creating Christ to do the good works that he has created for you to do from the beginning of times. Stand firm. Stand in Christ. Stand against the foe. Amen? And lastly, point number three. Entering warfare. Entering warfare. Remember what I mentioned and what I read earlier, quoting the book, you cannot enter warfare without going into rest, sitting first in Christ. You do not just send someone, okay, go ahead, here are the weapons, go and fight, <laughs> without the training, right? You first need to go through the steps, the right steps, and then you go. And even in the midst of that fighting of standing firm, in the midst of all that, we are what? Sitting in Christ, just like the train example that I share. It is a train. It is Christ. It is the vehicle that brings us, that will lead us to finish from point A to point B. 
So as we enter and we're entering warfare, a few sub points for us, and I'm almost done. Letter A, let's do it quickly. Rest in Christ. B, submit to Christ. C, cling to Christ. D, resist the foe. Letter E, know the foe. I'm not saying get to know him intimately. Know his schemes. That's what I'm saying. Know that he's limited. Know that he's a counterfeiter. Know that he's a coward. Know the foe. And F, fight the good fight. Fight the good fight for your warriors in Christ. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 1 Timothy 1, 18, Timothy, my son, Paul is telling his spiritual son, Timothy, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may what? Fight the battle well. You need to fight the good fight. 1 Timothy 6, 12 says, Fight the good fight of the faith. Fight it. Don't be passive like Adam when Eve was being tempted. He's right there with her, the scripture tells us, and he is passive and he does nothing when he knows the commands of God. Fight the good fight. Be active in your faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you are called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses, talking about when you came to baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you did it in front of many witnesses to show others that I am no longer a dead orphan out on the street. But I am now in the family of Christ. I am a disciple, not just a regular Joe Schmo disciple, but I am a watchful disciple of Christ. I know what I need to do now. I know that I need to rest in Christ. I know that I need to submit to Christ. I know and I am submitting and I am clinging to Christ. I'm resisting the foe and I know the foe. I know his schemes. I know that he is limited and I know in Christ I have victory in that 1 Corinthians 15. I know I have victory in Jesus Christ. You need to fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. And no one is fighting anymore. And I'm getting tired. I'm sure you're getting tired too. If only you're fighting the good fight. To say there are a number of pastors that I know who are fighting the good fight. I wish I could say that. And who knows? Even me. Sometimes I don't even know myself. Because I know my flesh. And I know who I am. But Lord, I desire to fight the good fight. I desire to fight the good fight in this one life that I have. You need to fight the battle well. Are you fighting the battle well? And I'm closing with this last point. Letter G. Hold the line. Hold the line. We're called to be watchmen. And it's funny because this person, his name is Watchman. We're called to be ready 
like soldiers who are waiting behind the enemy lines. Sometimes you go and you watch all night, looking, searching for the enemy that is lurking, being alert, being sober-minded, knowing that the enemy, the devil, a powerful enemy, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You need to hold the line. In your own household, family, if you're not holding the line, if you're not fighting the good fight and you're not praying and you're not focused in your home, it's like, would you sleep in the middle of the night? Would you go to bed with all your doors open, front and back, window open? If you won't even do that in the physical, why would you do that in the spiritual when you know better? Why would you live this spiritual journey without the filling of the Holy Spirit? Why would you fight this good fight without the armor of God? Ephesians 6. How can you continue on? How can you exercise when you're fasting? How long can you go fasting? A few days, and then what? We feed ourselves with junk, and how long will that sustain us? with junk food. And the result of our body is the result of what we put in. The result of our mental health is a result of what we see, what we watch, what we hear, who we speak to, who we hang out with. So in the spiritual, how can you continue on? How can you fight the spiritual battle when you're not filled with the Spirit of God? When you don't have the desires for the things of God? When you don't have the most important thing, you may look like you have the substance. You're like a whitewashed tomb outside. You look beautiful. It's whitewashed. It looks clean. It is white. And that's how the graves look like in Israel. At first glance, it looks beautiful, but the truth and the reality is inside within that grave. It is dead. Ashes to ashes. No faith. No will to fight whatsoever. Who is holding the line here? Can you truly say you're holding the line? Are you holding the line for your family, for your friends, for your church? Do you understand that churches are dying? I've been thinking about doing maybe more studies, and I'm hearing about schools and seminaries shutting down and downsizing because churches are looking for pastors. There are no pastors. Everyone has quit. You're seeing a rare breed up here. This next generation, don't take pastors for granted. Don't take teachers and missionaries for granted, for it is a rare breed right now. We are living in dark times. We're living in serious times. Look at the kids. Look at their faith. Look at the churches. This is what we've been learning, warning the first generation church that this is coming. Even when we're with the big church, I will share with them with all my heart, please do not invest your, don't invest your time on these foolish things. Invest in the young generation, in the children right now. You need to invest in them right now. You need to invest in the EM. You need to invest in the youth. You need to invest because right now it's not too late, but it is getting to that point where it's going to get too late. And you look around, there's no one there. No faith, just dead generation without faith. 
without the filling of the Holy Spirit, the church is dead. And when the church is dead, we are doomed. For the church is the main means and the way that God uses to reach people and to do His will and to do His work. Are you holding the line? May you fall under the other five. The five virgins who are ready with the oil. Ready. Filled with the Spirit of God. Not with the oil that they purchased, but with the oil that was already purchased through the victory that came through our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross that was purchased and bought for us. It is so easy. It's so simple, Luke. And yet profound and difficult for some. But if you allow God to move in your heart, simple and easy, nothing complicated. The scripture says, accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then you will be saved. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and you shall be saved. Hold the line. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, hold the line. Hold it. Come on. Hold the line. First Timothy 1.19, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected. He's talking about the five other virgins. And so I've suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. I could name 10 names right now, people I used to know that I went on missions with, fought the battle with. Apostasy. No faith. No church. Let me just end with a quote in the book. Watchman Nee, an amazing man who died as a martyr who was in prison for many years. In this book he wrote, he said this. Today we war against Satan only to maintain and consolidate the victory which Christ has already gained. By the resurrection, God proclaimed his son victor over the whole realm of darkness. What is it saying? Meaning he already won. We have victory already in Christ. And the ground Christ won, he has given to you, to us. We do not need to fight to obtain it. We only need to hold it. Hold it. Hold the line against all challengers. Our task is one of holding, not of attacking. Hold the line. It is a matter of, not of advance, but of sphere. Sphere of Christ. Wherever you walk, that sphere follows you. When you enter a dark room, that sphere of light surrounds you, so you light up that room through Christ. In the person of Jesus Christ, God has already conquered and won. He has given us his victory to hold. 
within that sphere of Christ, the enemy's defeat is already a fact. And the church has been put there to keep him defeated. Satan is the one who must do the counterattacking in his efforts to dislodge us from that sphere. For our part, we need not struggle to occupy ground that is already ours. It is already ours. In Christ, we are conquerors. Nay, more than conquerors. Romans 8.37 In Him, therefore, we stand. Thus, today, we do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. We fight from victory. You already won. We do not fight in order to win, but because in Christ we have already won, overcomers are those who rest in the victory already given to them by their God. Amen. And amen. This series has been a very blessing for me, and I pray that it was a blessing for you. I pray that in your time of testing and tough moments that you remember, and I think it's beautiful, right? We did the Psalm 23 series, The Lord is My Shepherd. Ultimately, the key premise is rest in Christ. Amen? You rest in Christ, you sit in Christ, everything else becomes easy. You already won. You won. Your victor is in Christ. Hold the line. Hold the line. Hold it. To stand firm, how? Being filled. Be watchful. Be in harmony. Grandmother. Be consumed. Two, standing firm. Stand in Christ. Stand against the foe. Lastly, number three, enter in warfare. Rest in Christ. Submit to Christ. Cling to Christ. Resist the foe. Know the foe. Fight the good fight. And hold the line. May you continue to hold the line as we understand who our God is. And with that, I want to invite the praise team to come up. And let's end the service just singing one time through David's song. And may we remember today that it is the Lord that brings us from pasture to pasture to green pasture. He makes us lie down. It is Him that gives us the strength to sit in Him, to be abided in Him. May we abide in Christ. May we walk with Christ. And may you stand for Christ, for the gospel, hold the line. And with that, can we all stand together? Just like the title, stand and sing, The Lord is my Father.
So Heavenly Father, we're reminded here today that the weapons we fight is not flesh and blood. It's not the weapons of this world. But it is against the powers of this dark world, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. For this is a spiritual fight. Therefore, God, we put on the full armor of God. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. We put on every single piece of the armor part to fight the good fight, to take and to make our stand against the enemy's schemes. Lord, we place you first in all that we do, and we give you all the glory and all the honor. Lord, help us to sit and to walk and to stand well for Christ. We give you all the glory and all the honor for all these things. In your precious Son, just cause let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. amen. And amen. amen. Can we all stand to our feet? Let's close the service with the path of life in Jesus, our church theme song. And then we'll close with the benediction. Let's sing together. together. May our Lord Jesus Christ continue to guide you, continue to shine his face towards you and provide you and give you grace unending. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the peace that comes from the gospel, when we come ready with feet fitted, with the readiness with the gospel to do the work to be his workmanship, to do the work that he has called us to do from the beginning of times. May the Lord continue to bless you. May the Lord continue to guide you. 
in all that you do, may you honor him and live for him in this one life, one chance that we have. And as God's people, we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen.